Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Audio Frontier. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is Wrestling Death and is scheduled for one hour. We're coming now. Welcome to Wrestling Daft Remarks, hailing from Larbra, weighing at 178 pounds. I'm John, producer of Wrestling Daft and host of this show. And with me, a man bigger than the Heat, Jackson Riker, currently has backstage in the WWE. It's Big Alex. Good afternoon, John. It's always nice to be introduced with such negativity. It's as if you learned nothing from Jen Louise last week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that later on. Um, and a man with more contacts on his list than the worst finishing moves in the greatest match ever at Backlash, it's Gary Cassidy. How's it going? The Firstly, we need to uh, put over Alex for actually listening to last week's show, despite not being on it. That's, Absolutely. Uh, man. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, was, it was a very, very strange experience, and you guys <laughs> did help me get through the horrible, horrible task of painting my flat. Well, it's so. good to have you back, Alex. We missed you last week, though we did have, you know, Chris Toll was getting put over quite a bit on Twitter, and Jen Louise has added a new stipulation to bury or put over, which you, I guess in your heard. Uh, so talk, we'll get into that later on when we come to the section. I think you accidentally managed to get like the perfect yin and yang, didn't you? You had like the devil on one shoulder with Chris, then you had the angel on the other shoulder with Jen. And yeah, it worked. You got the balance right. It worked, it worked. So when's the next time you're taking time off, Alex? I'm always joking. So as mentioned in the intro, and as if you're watching on uh, the Patreon version of the video, uh, we are went a bit backlash crazy. We've all got a backlash-based background. Gary has went for, you can see it there. The Fink. The Fink. Um, come down to announce the main event. Alex has went for The Greatest Showman, and I've went for The Big Ninja. Um, with Tazawa, which was we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, so looking back at Backlash, big pay per view the weekend. Initial thoughts, Gary Cassidy. Uh, I, I I want to say I really liked it. I did enjoy it, but there was a lot of things where nothing really happened. Um, obviously, there was minimal title changes in the way that there was zero, um, and <laughs> I I just felt like there was that much a uh, kind of a hesitance about the main event that I think a lot of people maybe were just like, well, the rest of the card doesn't really matter. It was a bit of a one show, a one match, uh, one match show. But I did enjoy it. Uh, that being said, the thing that I enjoyed most about it, uh, which we'll get into a bit later, is the fact that it seemed to be like essentially something to freshen up WWE's content, where we everything that happened last week that seemed to be an end point for a lot of rivalries, uh, or at least a, a rethinking point for a lot of rivalries. And it yeah. seems like we're getting a fresh start going forward with a load of things. Uh, what were your highlights, Gary? I really, really, really liked, and I know you're going to hate me here. I know uh, what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, I see it. John was kicking off. He was kicking <laughs> off. 
I, I really liked the Viking Raiders Street Profits oh, segment. No. <laughs> and I also really liked the main event. <laughs> so, <laughs> can, can I, can, for, if we're going to go on to the Street Profits Viking Raiders segment, I, th- there was one bit I did enjoy, and that was the way they actually brought like an old school Kung Fu style of choreography and production to the actual little Kung Fu fight they had. <laughs> that, that for me made it... Uh, it was still a bit too long and went on too far. Fine. And it was, it was just a bit much. It was, it was just too much of a money in the bank repeat for me. And they got most of it wrong. I think it, they got a lot of it wrong. As you can see in my background, however, they got one big thing right. <laughs> and the fact that Tazawa was on a pay-per-view with the biggest ninja ever. I did love a tweet I got from uh, our friend and colleague of the show, uh, pretty much Bronze Chell, because he contributes that much to this show. He said, it was like Vince had just watched Power Rangers and <laughs> when all the ninjas kind of turned up with Tozawa on bikes and they had this kung fu fight. I loved that bit. I loved that. I thought because it was just great, but that, everything else around it, man. I'm, oh. I'm kind of, as well, is. Are you allowed to portray Japanese wrestlers in such a stereotypical way, especially when we're going through such a period of cultural reappropriation, should we call it? So it seems exactly what WWE ought and always do and just kind of put their mouth and foot in it a little bit. Yeah. I had uh, Bruce Pritchard written all over it for that's, me, I think. Uh, just yeah. to... <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to, let's talk about Bash and we'll get to Bruce Pritchard in uh, a minute. Um, obviously, I mean, like you say, Gary, there was no title changes I had actually and I thought it was Chris made the point on the show last week I actually thought that Bobby Lashley might have got the title on him yep, with the Black Lives Matter stuff going on and it put Drew in the chase to get his moment at SummerSlam but you know that, that didn't change it looks like Drew's probably going to move on to the next opponent now uh, it's a bit of an odd one the, the way it went on Raw last night I think it still seems like we might have a, a Bobby Lashley like a, another match with, with those two um, but it's it's an odd one. It's not so open as being that obvious. For me, I'm desperate to see uh, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre going forward now. Uh, yeah. there, was a, there was a media event last week. I wasn't involved in it, but somebody I know was, and they put up that Drew McIntyre said Randy Orton was his joker, and I thought that was a, a pretty cool wee leading line there for something down the line. Um, but I, I, I thought the same. I thought Bobby Lashley might have won it. Um, at some point over the last two days, I thought Bobby Lashley was definitely going to win the championship. But, yep, lo and behold, he did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think then, they managed to present Bobby as a legitimate threat, though. Yeah. And I thought that, that match for me was probably the best match on the card. Yeah, I, and, think, I, I think it was a good introdu- reintroduction of Bobby Lashley and how he should be portrayed in the ring because I thought he came across the best I think I've seen him since his return in WWE. They've learned from the previous Leo Rush situation. Yeah. But the thing about that match, and it was the thing about the Oscar match as well, is as if WWE this month have decided to remember about the existence of a submission maneuver and just decided to then throw that into every single match. And especially because you were at the start of when Bobby rushed Drew at the start of the match, straight into the submission, and you had like Oscar doing the same thing at the start of the Nia Jax match, which was a bit weird. Mm. Yeah. And uh, let's get to then the greatest match ever. Listen, I thought it was an excellent match, but as I say to Alex, I don't think it was even the greatest match of the week. <laughs> I'm guessing the, the other match you're referring to would be that Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, uh, absolute classic on SmackDown. It might just be. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that one, I think, was I'm going to put themselves in such a position by having that match on that card before the greatest match ever as a tagline. Um, but I, for me, I really liked it. I think it, 
again, I don't think it, it might have possibly been. It's definitely in like my top five WWE matches this year. Um, I think yeah. the AEW tag match is definitely like up there for like the the best overall matches. And for me, Daniel Bryan's had a load of great matches. Obviously, we've spoke about the the, um, the fight pit match. For me, is definitely up there. Yeah. So I, I feel like that tagline was a bit of a burden on it. But at the same time, I think the best way to look at it is them not claiming it to be the greatest match in terms of match quality. I think it's the greatest matches in more of like the grandest match where it's like it had so like so many of the entertainment aspects, you know, the low lighting, the think thing. And then they did go through and pay homage to all the greatest wrestlers ever with the moves that they used. Most of them had been in some way a part of rivalries with Randy Orton and Edge. I feel like it was the most indie WWE match I've ever seen just because they were using everybody's <laughs> finisher and kicking out every <laughs> finisher. Um, but I really liked it. Again, I think without the tagline, it would have probably been better. But at the same time, I understand why they used the tagline. And for me, it's just genius because everybody would have tuned in to watch that based on the tagline just to either yeah. slate WWE or praise them. Yeah. So. Um, it, was, it did hamper the match, though. But then, like, the big thing for me was those fake crowd noises being pumped in for the majority of the match. And the way they then mixed that in with the with the live crowd noises, it just that that was really really. I, I I thought it was really I thought it was really off putting that. Mm. I, did, I, 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 I don't think they should have put the kind of pumped in crowd noise. I know why they did it, but I, I don't think it worked. Um, I, the bit I loved, and we picked up on that. Me and Alex watched it together, uh, and the, the bit that was, which I loved was the finish. Obviously, after leg slapping gate with the uh, Champa last week. Randy Orton, the, the biggest leg slap ever for did that punt on edge. Aye, I think that was typical Randy Orton rib. I think he knew that was happening when he made these comments about, uh, yeah. about NXT TakeOver. But for this me as well... Like, I mean, has Randy not been going off on people for the constant kicking out of finishers and the constant stealing <laughs> of finishers? So it's like, it was the, the most ironic Randy Orton match I think that's ever happened. I think it was brilliant. Also, one, one good note, I think, as well, one thing that needs to be said, there was so many um, comments going about about the fact that people knew how long WWE had recorded the match for. Everybody knew it was a 35-minute recording, you know, bell to bell. People definitely were speculating that it was going to be a 5-10 minute match that was heavily edited. Obviously, production standpoint, there was a lot of editing in there, you know, the crowd noises, the lighting, but they didn't edit much of the action at all. It was 35 minutes of those two going at it, so you need to, you need to give them praise for that, I think, just for the performance. performance yeah, in terms of their editing a match together, that was definitely their best effort. Yeah, like, I didn't really, you, you wouldn't have really noticed... The, the blood spot. The I noticed on the blood spot. Which yeah, the, the blood spot was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there was the odd rest hold, and uh, you've got to give them like kind of props for some of the camera work they were doing around Edge's face. Like every time there was about to be a neck orientated move, they zoom in on Edge's face, and they kept using the top down camera, like when Randy would have him in like those back moves, and that was that for me was was a big positive. Yeah. A big I win. loved as well. There was one thing, and I can't remember where I've seen this before. I'm not sure if it was AEW. It might have been Impact. The camera on the ring post, like yeah, uh, I like, at the yeah. very start, and I love that. I think that's amazing. But I can't remember where I seen it before. I remember I seeing it. I think it is Impact, Gary. Yeah, I, I don't it. think it's AEW. No, yeah, I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, um, I I thought it was. I didn't think it was a great event. Looking back at it, I think the Drew Bobby match and the the Brandy um, Edge match was great. I mean, the big obviously. Let's get to it just now and we move on to the next. Obviously, we've had Street Profits, the Viking Raiders segment. Um, as you said, Gary, probably a big bit of Bruce Pritchard involved in that. And <coughs> we've, we've got the news that Heyman 
has left as Raw Director and is going to be replaced by Bruce Pritchard. What are the thoughts and feelings on that, boys? I, um, initially, initially I was very worried because I love Paul Heyman. I think he's one of the best minds in wrestling. I think he's one of the most intelligent guys wrestling's ever seen, uh, without a doubt. The guy just makes, you know, money segments and, and he's just, you know, he's great building performers. Uh, but for me, it was a perfect example. I, I'll wait and see how it plays out because I think SmackDown's been amazing uh, over the past few weeks. We've seen that by, you know, the people that have come on uh, to do the biddies and put overs have been choosing SmackDown. For me, I think the most annoying thing is I like how different Raw and SmackDown have felt. And my worry is the word streamlined that they used. I think, you you know, you're verging on, all right, well, how different are they going to be? Are they going to end up mixing rosters and stuff like that again? So I was worried. But for me, uh, as we'll get into later on the biddies and putovers, last night's Raw for me was one of the best Raws I've seen in a long time, probably the best of the year. And there, there have been a lot of good Raws. So I'm, I'm willing to get a go. Uh, but the one thing um, that kind of stood out to me, I got a wee message shortly after the news broke. And it said that um, the main difference uh, up until last week, the main difference between Raw and SmackDown and how they essentially put together the shows was SmackDown was super easy. Vince McMahon said what he wanted. Everybody, this was the quote, fell in line. So everybody fell in line with what Vince McMahon wanted. The, the meetings, creative meetings were over very, very quickly. Whereas Paul Heyman had a more long-term vision, wanted to build longer-term stars. So the meetings went on longer. A lot of reports are out there saying that apparently um, there was, like, you know, people saying that Vince McMahon and Paul Heyman clashed heads a lot and stuff like that. Apparently, that's not true. Again, another word that was used, which is a word that is never used for me, spirited. Apparently, they had spirited discussions, but they were never clashing heads. So it's a bit of an odd one. I'm not sure where it's going to go. I liked last night's Raw, but I'm, I'm kind of hesitant, kind of excited about where it's going to go, but kind of hesitant because I think Paul Heyman's a big loss. But hopefully, we see him on screen again. The way that you've worded that makes me think that they've just given up on doing any kind of long-term storytelling <laughs> and they're like, let's just do it week to week, it's fine, it's easier. I mean, that, that's, I mean? that seems to be the way, the way they're going. I mean, from what you hear and you read is that Paul Heyman had a two-year vision of building, I guess, because he had obviously, when you've seen Paul Heyman's coming, you've seen the emergence of Buddy Murphy coming up, you know, Drew's had the belt put on him, you've seen that Paul he, Cruz. Yeah, Paul, Paul Cruz came from nowhere Absolutely. So you it's very much Paul Heyman's mantra though, he's always done this and like, yeah. There was rumours of him taking over TNA a couple of years ago before Hogan and Bischoff came in. And the thing that kind of why he didn't was because they refused to cut all the old legends and let him build like a fresh roster. So that well, seems like that's always kind of his plan and where he wants to go, which is, you've got to kind of give him kudos for that. There's an interesting note on that as well with the full, you know, greatest match ever thing. Is that the, the other thing that I got told kind of that led into me hearing about the, the Bruce Pritchard stuff was the fact that Vince McMahon wanted to pull that match forward from being a SummerSlam match because there was no star power at Backlash. Obviously, no Roman Reigns, no Bray Wyatt, no Becky Lynch. Um, there was a few other names mentioned. I'm not going to get my head now, but there was so many names that weren't there. And it was like, Seth no, Rollins was not on the card. Seth, <laughs> aye, Seth Rollins wasn't even on the card, but I, I don't know why that was. That was bizarre. Maybe that just because Rey Mysterio true. wasn't there. Um, but apparently it was a case I felt like they needed star power. So having, obviously, Edge and Randy Orton there and then sticking the ridiculous title on it was, uh, was to combat that star power. Now, it'll be interesting to see how the, the, the shows progress from here on in. I think you're going to see, like Gary says, an amalgam, a more of an amalgamation of the rosters. 
um, just while this all this stuff goes on because it, it does make sense at this point and it gives yeah. them a chance to freshen up the product and we're kind of we'd be at the time when we'd be getting a draft anyway would we not so they can kind of call it some kind of off season and they could build it that way or yeah. do something a little bit more original on the build to the next draft when everything returns to some kind of normality yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we'll get we'll get into a wee bit more of that in the buddy and putovers later on. As Gary says, SmackDown, uh, he watched Raw last night, first one with Bruce Pritchard and Charles. So, it'll be interesting to get your views on that, Gary. Uh, welcome back to the buddy and putover, Alex. Uh, we're on AEW this week, um, and I am on NXT. And our guest, Mark, this week will be one of our Patreons, Scott Kirkwood. He'll be on to do SmackDown. Um, we are back on Fantasy Booking Island. Here's the shock, however, Alex. You missed it last week. I actually won. <laughs> I thought I thought you did pretty well. You seem to be learning from your mistakes, and you learned the beauty of the swerve. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So I have the book this week, and I've set Alex and Gary a challenge. They're going to be basically picking a promotion, picking two wrestlers, and booking a cinematic match. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing these on Fantasy Booking Island later on, gentlemen. Can you give me a hint of who, what, what promotion you went to get for, Gary? I went for AEW. Oh, <laughs> you went for Alex's domain, Alex. Well, I went completely rogue and I've written a TV show about backstage at WWE. <laughs> right. This is going to be interesting. That's on Fantasy Booking Island a bit later on. Um, and we'll also have your buddy, more buddy and putovers. Uh, Gary, um, you have got another big interview for us. We've had Charlotte Flair for Drew McIntyre. We've had Matt Riddle. Who have we got on this week? This was one of the most surprising ones for me because uh, obviously a load of backlash, um, kind of pre-backlash media stuff was going on. And I got offered an interview with Noam Dar which is not the kind of person you would associate with a backlash uh, media, a pre-media interview. But got to chat with him, and, you know, if anybody follows Noam Dar on, on any social media, they'll know that he's just hilarious. So it was brilliant for me, essentially just a, a wee chat about some fantasy booking stuff. He called out a load of people, including Vince McMahon and Goldberg, so it's definitely one that's worth listening to. Excellent. You also seem to have a cracking lockdown here situation going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pot kettle black, but... <laughs> if you watch the video version, you will see Noam's beard in full force. It's a cracker, I have to say. So yeah, we'll go have Noam um, on a bit later on. And of course, we'll have all the news from the business with Gary and all the scoops he's getting at the moment. Uh, but first, it's time to cut a promo. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Right, so hand me the microphone. It's time to, to cut a promo on something. Wait, there's one thing. We need vindication on your promo for last week. Oh, sorry, what? There is a new nickname for someone in WWE. Right, Alex, if you missed this, or if anyone's missed this that's listening, I had, my promo was cut on alliteration last week. In fact, that all wrestlers now have a, a name that alliterates. However, there is news on this. Gary, what have you got? Mandy Rose has a new nickname. Oh, God. She is, is called The Precious Peach. Oh, I'm shot at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if they heard you, John, and they were like, let's just keep pissing this guy. That's the worst, yeah. That, again, my theory, again, Alex, was that they pick an adjective and a noun and they just then pick a letter and that's how they come up with them. The press. Have, you ever, have you ever seen the South Park episode where they refer that Family Guy is written by a bunch of um, essentially dolphins and a randomization machine? 
that's <laughs> what I'm starting to think the WWE naming concept is. Well, yeah. following the, the Mandy Rose manatees, thing... It wasn't dolphin, dolphins, I apologise. It was manatees, just to be right, specific. Right, okay, okay. Following the Mandy Rose thing, I had a wee look at the current WWE roster, and then I was thinking a few people that have just left. And, you know, we mentioned a few last week, but there's the lethal the Lothario, Bulgarian brute, ravishing Russian, obviously carrying cross, Bianca Belair, the Scottish psychopath, modern-day Maharaja, Monday Night Messiah... Obviously, you've got people like Roman Reigns, Ruby Riot, and then you've got the Mon- Monster Among Men, Miz and Morrison, Kofi Kingston, Robert Roode, Dominic Dijakovic. The list goes on. So uh, I think we didn't pay enough attention last week to you, John. I think uh, <laughs> there's a lot more where that came from. He's playing some kind of double letter bingo with all of his wrestlers' names, and he only means like, oh no, this that guy was it not the guy from one NXT's names like Zebediah or something? He won. Oh, he's easy. His name actually was easy. So there's the Z and Z. That's why he won. He won so they could take that final. If box you want to get anywhere in the WWE, just have a, a name that'll alliterate you. So I'm telling you. Uh, so yeah, I'm on the mic again this week because I'm pretty pissed off about something. I want to get I want to get down with this. I want to cut a promo on forced fun. Okay, you know. Mandatory work night out, nights out when you're, you're forced to go by your boss and then you're forced to sit on a table with Susan from HR. Or, you know, that murder mystery thing that you go to with your wife, your partner, your girlfriend, don't know any of our pals, but and then all our significant other folk want to talk about veganism, you know that, and you're forced to this murder mystery with these strangers. Sounds like this is turning into a double rant, John. <laughs> or, or, you know when bands make you clap your hands, or, you know, they go... Girl, put your hands in the air, or they, they turn the mic around and say, you sing this bit of the song. What <laughs> fucking fun. I hate it, and now it has reached wrestling. Obviously, it's more with WWE. They've got all these trainees, and, you know, we saw it at Backlash, surrounding the rings with their, their T-shirts on. You know, they're forced to clap, applaud, Forced to chant. I mean, that thing it take over. It's like when they were all saying "fall and pray" and make forced to chant "fall and pray." They're made to dance around. They're made to clap. They're meant to look enthusiastic. These guys have probably dancing to Oscars entrance. Dancing to Oscars entrance. These guys have been forced. Like this is their work. You know, eight hours. They've probably been stuck in this performance center, being having to do forced fun. It's wrong in any line of work. Especially wrestling, you should not be forcing fun upon people. That's not allowed. You've got to enjoy it yourself. You can't force fun on anyone. So that's my promo this week. Force fun, bands everywhere, workplaces, wrestling. It does not deserve a place in this world. Bands, if you're listening, stop making people fucking clap at your gigs because I hate that as well. See, when you're forced to the band, you clap your hands in the air. I hate that. And then everybody does it. I... No, just no. No no to forced fun. Right, okay, you want to get onto our Patreon right now, patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft, uh, because we've got some brilliant stuff up there for you. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a service that you register to. You sign up for an amount each month that you give to us, and we give you extra content in return. So Tier 1 Cruiserweight Champion, you'll see a video version of this here show, so you can see our backlash backgrounds and uh, you also see the wonderful mustaches of both gary and alex so get on that you're coming up. along quite strong i'm starting to think that the mustaches are more of the show than we are <laughs> they are it's a strong mustache community i'm going to have to start trying to grow one as well uh, i think we need uh, the wrestling daft masks a custom one that's just got a big mustache on it 
that's a good sh- well the mustache marks mask. there you go there's, there's your new face <laughs> mask John. there's your new face that into production uh, you'll get ad free versions of all the episodes in tier one as well you get early episode access to the headline show plus bonus content and uh, you get to vote on the list of wrestling daft as well tier two is where however you want to be this month and for the months going forward you will get a video version of the headline show with Rab and Grado um, but you will also get bonus episodes up there right now you can here, uh, our report card on AEW, which we did a few weeks ago, but it's finally here. It has landed. Chapter one of the Grado story. It's yourself. His journey from wrestling beginnings to his debut in ICW. It is up there, both on audio form and video form, right now. Really, really good interview with Grado, which I did, and um, he, it, it was it was a really nice journey and a really nice look back at his journey into ICW. So that is up there now. So get involved with that. Tier two, you'll get that on. And the tier three, it's a world heavyweight champion, about 15 quid a month. Uh, you'll get everything in the previous tiers. Plus you get tickets for live events when they actually happen again. Um, free wrestling draft t-shirt of your choice for a min- if you have to sign up for a minimum of three months for that. And plus a chance to come on this show as a mark. Um, we're going to be adding a lot more stuff in the, the, in the coming weeks. I spoke to Rab and Grado and we've got some big plans to do on Patreon. So that's where we're standing by for as well. So get involved now. Patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft as we would love to welcome you to the roster. So every week we like to take this point to look at the big wrestling shows and basically bury and put over, separate the good from bad on them. Um, with us this week as our guest, Mark, is one of our Patreons. He's a regular at our Patreon pay-per-view parties. It's Mr. Scott Kirkwood. How are you doing, Scotty? I'm no bad, lads. How are you doing? Very well. Good to see you sober for once. Usually at the Patreon parties, you've had a couple <laughs> of bottles of Mad Dog in your hand, so it's, it's good to see you sober, mate. Who says he's sober? That's true. Aye. <laughs> face, I tell you. I tell you what, if you could just do a urine test for us right now, a bit like James Harvey, we'll just take it from that. Uh, it'll, it'll be cleaner than that, I tell you. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> that very dehydrated on Friday night, wasn't he? We'll get to that, we'll get to that, because you are, of course, on to review and do the buddies and putovers for Smackdown for us, Scott. First of all, though, we need to get your wrestling qualifications. What are your credentials that make you a mark on this show? So what I've told you just about every time we're on the Patreon parties, uh, me, my wife and my best pal were in New Orleans and ended up doing a sh- shots and drinking at the bar on it with Kylie Zane and Shayna Baszler. That's my claim to fame. Listen, that's a good qualification. That beats any of our qualifications. Getting pissed with Kylie Zane and Shayna Baszler. Wow. Uh, nice one, Scott. Right, so this is how it works. We do buddies and putovers for each show. But after Jen Lewis was on this section... Uh, from Inside the Ropes and Cultaholic. She was on last week, and she gave us a more positive outlook on life, okay? So from now on, it's going to be put over, buddy, buddy, put over. So we always end in a positive. However, you can also use the Jen Louise stipulation. Can we call only... it the JLS? Only for our UK fans will that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can use the JLS. You can use the JLS to only do one buddy, okay? So you're... Um, I, I say, I'll accept one, buddy, but positive, negative, and then finishing on a positive, okay? Perfect. Happy with that. Right, Alex, kick us off with the AEW, mate. Okay, so we had another fun-filled week of uh, wrestling out of Darby's place. We included Darby himself skateboarding with Tony Hawk, which got the real nostalgia pop from that, personally. And uh, <laughs> we had Jericho back on commentary, and he had, I've, I've only just noticed how questionable the name of Jericho's bat is. 
It's called Floyd. Yeah. So oh. it's it's maybe it's, oh. it's, I think oh. it's named for Pink Floyd because of this whole kind of aging rock star gimmick. But it's a, it's a little bit questionable. But we'll get into it. <laughs> so I'll start on my positive, which is the John Moxley Brian Cage Taz segment. Although I have one very large question about it. Why does John Moxley need so many pockets and what is he keeping it? I'm sure I've asked this before and no one's answered the question. And it's every piece of clothing he has has 18 zippers in it. But I'm digressing, I apologize. <laughs> the promo work was just on point. It was just intense. It was exactly the way that both characters need to be kind of put across. And Taz just kind of barging in from the side. It was felt quite, it felt quite natural for a wrestling kind of intervention. And... I think as well they kind of planted seeds that maybe Taz can't control Brian Cage at the end of it. Yeah. And it was also probably good they didn't use Moxley's very expensive car that he stole from Chris Jericho. <laughs> so, to Burry, I mean, apparently burying names is what we do now. Are you going to do two or one? Are you going to do two Burries or two, one Burry? I'm going to invoke the GLS and I'm only oh. going to do I'm going to thank Jen for letting me off of having to be mean about something else. Because most of the weeks, it's, it's actually can be quite difficult finding a second bury, and you feel like a bit of a dick. Right, okay, I'm going to be a total dick then, right? You just carry on, no? <laughs> this is just going to turn into John's being a dick segment. Well, <laughs> second John's being a dick segment after the promo segment. So, um, yes. But on to wrestling names. The Goodnight Express. What, 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 what? How is that an acceptable rename of the Shatter Machine? I don't, I'm, I'm not happy with that at all. Like, I get they're maybe trying to kind of do homage to the Midnight Express, but they seem to have just lost their heads a little bit with this naming convention. Like, they've stuck with the FTR as a name. I get that that's got, like, history with them, and I get they couldn't use the Revival and they couldn't use the Revolt like they wanted to, but it just seems like they've done a total cop-out, and now they're like, yeah, it stands for what you want, man. And I'm just, I'm just not a particularly big fan of it, to be honest. And they also started ripping off the Lucha Brothers finisher. Because they've started doing the, the kind of the pack the pile driver from the top rope as well, although it's not a package like Pentagon does it. So they were also stealing finishers from another tag team in the same division. Mm. Not happy. Not happy. Okay. And the other thing I noticed in that match is why on earth does Blade sorry, does Blade bleach his hair when he's going bald anyway? <laughs> it's just I just it's I, I don't understand. And let's end in the positive then. I'm gonna I'm gonna put over Mr. Matthew Hardy because of the way he managed to get across transitioning between three different gimmicks in one segment and managing to come out of it with some kind of continuity, you've got to give him kudos for that. Originally, I was a little bit skeptical, but I think they've managed to play this transitioning Hardy character really well, especially now, there's continuity there. I can see John smirking in the corner because I think he hates it. But I, I, don't I think it's really well thought out. I, I, like, I, like, I liked it when they did the stadium stampede. It was like, they had, you know, he was getting critted and then coming out of the water and it kind of suited that. This whole kind of way, like... Oh, but it's when... Have you not noticed it's when someone makes a reference that can be, like, translated to one of those characters? So, like, he, go, he turns into, like, version one or whatever because he says something about Mattitude. And then he transitions into Broken Matt when Sammy says something about Broken. So, like, they... They, they put triggers in that kind of made sense. Yeah, I, I'd prefer it if he just came out differently each week. I think I think that would make more sense for me that like rather than changing midway. But that's just me. That's just yeah. Me. The changing midway is maybe a bit much. I hope it doesn't yeah. become a permanent thing, as I think it would get pretty old pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Match of the night. Match of the night has to be the best friends versus the inner circle. 
Although I kind of, which ended in Jericho beating down Orange Cassidy with a giant bag of oranges or some kind of orange sock a la um, Santee's. But none of the commentary team made a freshly squeezed joke. Like you guys know that I'm, been... a, I'm a big guy on the, the fact that headlines can be puns. So we mentioned that a few weeks ago with the Gooch Taints uh, end segment thing. <laughs> there was an equally good one about that segment, and it was uh, Jericho bloodies orange with blood oranges. I did like the way as well they kind of kept Jericho on commentary for half of the show. And then yeah. he just got up, he kind of organically got up to go and beat on Orange Cassidy. I, 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 I did see that. So, Jer- Jericho's just so good in commentary. It's a shame he's so good in the ring because he's just so brilliant on commentary. I love him. Love him. Um, right, okay, over to me on the NXT table. Uh, and we'll start off with a putover. And the one thing I've got to put over is Roderick Strong's Fear of Dexter Loomis. I don't know if anyone's seen NXT, <laughs> but the, 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 there's a whole thing segment about Dexter Loomis popping out from nowhere. He's going, he's over there. And like, the guys are like, no, he's not. And it, it was, it was just brilliant. And throughout the, the show, it was just Dexter Loomis popping up behind windows. And Roderick would you not be scared of a man trapped you in his boot? Well, I'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> but um, yeah, but the, the whole playoff between Dexter Loomis and Ronnie being absolutely scared uh, of uh, Dexter Loomis, which, by the way, and I, was, I was having this discussion, I think is one of my favourite gimmicks in wrestling in years. I think the whole Dexter Loomis and that gimmick is just, I've not seen it really done before. And I think it well, could turn out to be one of my favourite gimmicks in years because I think you're going to do really good stuff. I'm intrigued you know, to see how far you know, they're going, they'll go with it. Yeah. Was it not the same in TNA as well? Just basically played a, a creeper. Pretty much. Pretty ah, much. That's a classic way he does it so well. Yeah. Really good. Really good. So well, I mean, yeah, they do say that the best wrestling characters are an extenuation of your personality. So what does that say about <laughs> the one Samuel, Samuel Shaw? I know. Um, so I, I, I put over Roderick Strong. I, I thought he was great in that whole thing going throughout the show and it obviously culminated in the, in the main event. Uh, got to Buddy, however, coming on back to your point on Alex, the fact that they managed to squeeze both Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong into the boot of a car, this became a bit more evident for me on NXT this week. But when I watched TakeOver, I was like, all right. But then I kind of realized, you would never get the two of them in the boot of a car together. <laughs> There's no way you're getting Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong in the boot of the car together. The, I mean, the good thing is they paid off that story on. You said, oh, we were stuck in the, the boot of the car and we managed to force our way out and stuff like that later on. But then, um, they, but then they kind of lost continuity, and at one point, Roddy said he woke up in his living room. Yeah, so they kind of they started telling two different stories. Yeah, it got a bit weird with the continuity, a bit of that. Um, so yeah, um, also going to have to bury this week, which will probably lead to my put over, is the fact that NXT must have listened to this show last week because they stole Chris Toll's gimmick. Um, obviously, we've been building. Uh, throughout for the, the, the kidnapping the luchadors, kidnapping luchador, uh, Spanish wrestlers, and then we've unveiled these guys turned up in suits, which Chris said last week. The guy, obviously, Phantasma unmasked after you know Drake Maverick had challenged them to, to a fight uh, for the Cruiserweight Championship. And he called Santos him, Escobar. Santos Escobar, <laughs> which is basically the gimmick that Chris Toll came up with on this show last week of a cartel. A Mexican Aye. kind of cartel. Narcos <laughs> NXT, I am off of that. Ah, yeah, Narcos NXT. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to like... start coming out with cigars and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. you know, just really work it. 
Do you know, I think WWE, uh, WWE were going to push the button on this. They should have done it about two years ago when Narcos was huge, though. You know, like, they kind of missed the boat a wee bit on it. But, and they're, they're sailing a bit close though. And Santos Escobar, come on now. They've just went, oh, Escobar's a great name. Let's put Santos. Anyway. I mean, they might run into a little bit of trouble there if they go too far. They maybe should have changed it ever so slightly. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, I'll bury that because he's still a uh, toes gimmick. So just a little uh, offshoot. But I'm going to put over that. Finally, I'm going to put over that gimmick because I think there's some really good wrestlers in that faction. You know, Real Mendoza, Joaquin Wild, the whole cast. You won't see Joaquin Wild's headgear anymore. I don't, don't, yeah, don't really have to wear that. Which is great. But there must be another two. There must be another two involved in this. Because no, I, I think they're going to play this out and have uh, that Santos Escobar was the other one. Right, do you not? Right, I'm okay. Not switch that in. But was there not two originally kidnapped? So there might be another one. There might be a mystery third man. Possibly, possibly. I, I would think, like it if they did, but um, I, 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 I think, think there was initially that. two that that kidnapped. So uh, one of them. So I think there's still another. Which I'd love. They should play that out Aye. because I, I think that would be great. But I think this will deal going to be a good thing because I can see maybe UE moving on so they might be the kind of next big faction in NXT so I think that should be really good uh, and match of the night a couple of good ones on there um, but I'm going to go for the main event because I, like I was saying Dexter Lumis' gimmick is great, Adam Cole and it's set up um, Killian Cross uh, versus Adam Cole going forward because um, Scarlet Bordeaux turned up with the end with a, an hourglass which was a yeah, how good that little Scarlet Bordeaux walk out putting the hourglass and just yeah it was, it was it was a really nice visual uh, and I really enjoyed the match with everything that was going on around it with Dexter Loomis and all that as well it was great so, I think yeah. we've also got to point out Gary shared that picture of Scarlet from like 10 years ago in WWE and recent Scarlet in WWE and you can see how much she has changed I when she was the enhancement talent for Nia Jax wearing a Sasha Banks t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> there you go and you can see that picture on Gary's Twitter Gary Wrestling I'm going to again but I'll take it <laughs> oh it's, it's Wrestling Gary Wrestling Gary there you go alright uh, let's move on to Friday night and Scott's on here to tell us about Smackdown two seconds I'll get my notes so it's we're, we're doing a uh, pull over but, um, aye. It's the GLS, it's the GLS. The GLS, aye. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be doing the GLS as well. I actually really liked SmackDown this week. I thought it was absolutely class compared to what, compared to what it's usually been. Uh, but the first kind of, the first kind of put over uh, that I'll, that I'll do is Bailey. I think she's been absolutely brilliant and recently just been a total irritant. Just, just <laughs> want her off the screen. You just want somebody to lay on her. But I think she's been absolutely class. It was the the whole bit when she won the titles and it was dragging them about. It's too heavy. So that was last week, and then coming on to coming on to this week, it was just just brilliant. That the only thing I didn't like, Kenny, about that segment was the fact that they went to a cut of the iconics with Raw in the background. I thought it just looked so it looked so scripted. It was unbelievable. It was like they announced they announced uh, the iconics came on and told Nikki and Alexa to attack them. I just didn't like it. I don't know. It was just just something about that I didn't like. That was just a minor one. My my, my only major berry was the Seamus and Jeff Hardy segment. Just for minute one, just absolute garbage. Uh, especially Jeff Hardy must have held in his pitch for about three days. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was filled to the brim inside about fifteen seconds. 
and I, what we were saying earlier, that is a hangover pee if ever I've seen one. That was stinking of sugar puffs. <laughs> to be fair, I've actually, I've actually not even minded the Seamus and Jeff Hardy like storyline. Actually, one of the very few folk that didn't mind it, but I, I'd hated that. Didn't like it at all. I thought it was going to go, like, have you ever seen that scene in The Naked Gun where he just keeps peeing? <laughs> That's what it was like. That was what it was like. Oh, honestly, I was sitting watching it, I'm going, what is going on here? So I do love the way they pull up like a whole black screen and they made Jeff apparently take a pish in the middle of the ring on national television. <laughs> it wasn't like, Jeff, you just go into the back and, you know, have some privacy. No, no, middle nah. of the ring. And we'll get to New York out there just for... You will get a bump there while you're trying to do a pee. But, uh, and then uh, my last kind of put my last kind of put over is also a uh, match of the night as well. The AJ versus Brian, just quality, just a good old fashioned wrestling match. What I like though as well is I, I can't even I think it was cool. Just constantly putting there how important the IC title is. So yeah. it's like they're actually trying to make it a big deal again. Whereas before you would get these IC titles and it just wouldn't really be referenced. But he's naming like all people that have held it, uh, all people that have held it, uh, talking about a. Uh, Pat Patterson winning it, things like that. I thought it was really good. Uh, <clears throat> also, as well, though, it comes to my last, it comes to a kind of berry for that as well, BT, for putting in about four billion adverts during that match. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank God I watched it on Saturday morning, I could fast forward. But. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, as a, as a definite put over as the New Day's entrance, coming out, taking the knee, wearing the bands, just class. Yeah, absolutely. Right, thanks for that, Scott. Uh, let's move on to last night's Raw. Gary, how is it looking under Bruce Pritchard? We mentioned earlier where I was very hesitant um, after the Paul Heyman news for this Raw. I was, didn't know where it was going to go. But I'm yet again following the GLS. And <laughs> it's turning into a theme. <laughs> and my Barry is a very, very weak Barry that actually I think will lead to me putting something over next week anyway. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that. I'll talk about a put over first. I've went on about how much I'm sceptical about Dominic Mysterio being thrust into a, a kind of a big, big rivalry immediately. But the segment with him last night was fantastic. Um, I wasn't a fan of what they'd done beforehand on social media. I had Rey Mysterio sharing screenshots, uh, him telling Dominic to come back home, don't go to the performance centre and all that nonsense, and it just looked bad. Rey Mysterio had a massive font, and I'm like, well, I suppose he's only got one either now, so maybe that makes sense, but that was still was a wee bit dodgy. Um, but the way they'd done it, they had uh, Rey Mysterio and, and Seth Rollins kind of Button heads, Seth Rollins goes on his knees, does the, does the full Messiah gimmick, and then Dominic coming in, and he done a kind of a sliding clothesline thing that was brilliant, but after that, it just looked amazing. There was a full segment where they had him essentially trying to escape from, uh, from the two disciples that came out, uh, Austin Theory and Murphy, and he just looked amazing. It just made me really excited to see him in the ring. We already know that he, he can do a brilliant 619. He can do a brilliant frog splash. We saw that with the Brock Lesnar segment, but I can't wait to see what he does now. So I'm really excited for that. Um, the Biddy. So I want to start off by saying my main Biddy about this is Big Show turning face yet again with no explanation. <laughs> uh, he came out and it was just a face. Um, but my Biddy is the fact that they didn't do something that I think they will do in a couple of weeks. They didn't have Big Show standing face-to-face with the giant ninja. And the best thing is when they do that, Big Show we know is a tall guy. Nobody's saying seven foot is short, but the guy that plays the ninja, his name is Jordan Omogbehan. 
Um, he's for NXT and he is seven, th- seven foot three. Wow. So if, he's, if he stands face to face with the big show, he's going to tower over him a wee bit. Um, so I can see maybe why they're not doing that. Maybe they feel like they're going to need to pull the trigger on a match between the two. But the one thing is, I believe the big show has been down in NXT before working with him. I know he's worked with Babatunde, who is around the same build as well. Um, the, the big Polish guy that ended up at the Greatest Royal Rumble, I think it was. But I think they might actually pull a trigger on that match. But my bury is the fact we didn't get to see those two face-to-face because I really wanted to see somebody towering over the big show and maybe even annihilating the big show. Right. Now, let me get this clear because I've not seen Roy yet. Uh, is, is Tazawa leading a ninja stable? <laughs> yes. Is this happening? Um, is this yes. happening, Gary? Make my dreams come true. They, they had a match last night against your favourite your favorite four people in wrestling right now, uh, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. The but, ninja, the ninja car, the ninjas. Like so, but, who was the ninjas? I'm so excited about right, this. <laughs> we don't know who the other three were. I've got right. a feeling. This isn't confirmed. I've got a feeling one of them is Leon Ruff, who is the enhancement talent that's been on Ross Smackdown NXT. I think it is three enhancement talents, or people will never find out because they get decimated. Right. It was them and Tozawa against the four, and then obviously you had the big boy on the outside uh, and. The commentary didn't even care about the match. They just kept going, look how big that guy is. Look how big that guy is. And they <laughs> built it perfectly for the way he's going to come in. But I am was... so, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I, had, I was hoping, I was, I was saying this, I hope that one of the ninjas was Steve Blackman. But I take it that's going to be an outside bet on, on that one. But there you uh, go. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't ah. think I'm going to get that, sadly. <laughs> anyway, this is getting me, re- I'm so watching Raw now to see what's that one. Uh, stable, amazing, amazing. What are they calling themselves? I'm so. I don't think they've. Got, I don't think they've got a name yet. Um, I don't think they've got a name yet. I think you pitched it as the Yakuza a few weeks ago, so maybe we'll get that. But oh, I don't think so. Oh, the Ninja Squad, mate. Just call uh, the Ninja, Ninja Squad. squad. Ninja Squad is cool. Yeah, let's go with that. Anyway, excited back. Carry on, Gary. Sorry. <laughs> so the last bit over. Again, this is one where I'm not exactly putting over what happened as opposed to how it was built. A lot of rumours came out yesterday regarding Christian being on Raw. So, obviously, I lives in Florida. I was like, that's very possible. Of course, he's going to be on Raw, but it was on it like a couple of weeks ago. So, well, what's the big deal? And then it started to come out that there was rumours of Christian having one more match. Ooh. And for me, it was just that, like, I'm going, I asked him about that last month. And it was the thing where I'm going, I had to, had to do that thing where I'm like, I'm either brilliant at my job or terrible. Because I asked about Edge's return a week before it happened and get told no. And then I asked Christian and get told no. Obviously, I know why I get told no, because he wouldn't want to get away just to a journalist for no reason. Um, but the way they built this, very first segment, Randy Orton comes out. And then you have Christian coming out, interrupting him. And Randy Orton lays down the challenge. And obviously, this is it's the most obvious thing for somebody today anyway, but he said you've got until the end of the night. Raw, notably, obviously, the ratings have been pretty bad anyway, but the ratings for the third hour are notoriously terrible. So the fact that they had that, they had a load of other things happening in the last hour as well, but the fact they had that thread go through at the full show, and they had, you know, the big show trying to talk Christian out of it, they had Christian on the phone, which the one wee other thing I should say is the fact that his phone was locked, obviously, so he wasn't on the phone. Um, <laughs> but And it was very obvious as well. But they had Big Show trying to talk about it, and then Ric Flair trying to talk about it. But that last segment was amazing. Um, they had Christian come out. He'd been taping up his wrist, so he wasn't in ring gear. An unsanctioned match, because he's not medically cleared. And it got right to the point where it's like, 
Christian's going to actually have another la- a last match on television against Randy Orton. But the way they swelled it was perfect. Ric Flair comes out, tries to talk him out of it. Can't talk him out of it. Turns away. Referee rings the bell. Boom. Low blow to Christian. And then a Randy oh. Orton punt as well. The most vicious looking punt that you'll see because of how they filmed it for a start. But obviously Christian's on the non-contact list. If there's any way to have Christian doing another match, that was the perfect way to do it. Low blow, obviously, isn't the most physical thing ever. Um, and then the punt was obviously, you know, it's the perfect misconception. It was just absolutely amazing. The way they, they teased it all the way through the show. I was watching, I, obviously, I watch it every week, but I think a lot of people would have watched it just to see Christian's last match, and it was amazing. Can I make a request? See from now on, whenever we talk about the punt, can we call it the leg slap? <laughs> so do we is Christian definitely not going to happen we can't see an Edge and Christian reunion for a Saudi show for example so this is the thing where again it's the most you know the, the throwaway answer the only answer I can give is I don't think so but I said that about Edge and I've said that about every Daniel Bryan you know we've always said that the only thing that's you're slightly... a shite journalist Gary <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the only thing is that I will say, um, obviously, Christian has said he's on the no contact list. The same person that was on that, obviously, Daniel Bryan is on it as well, but the same person that's on that, Jerry Lawler, we did see him doing something while on the list, and it was the mandible claw for Bray Wyatt. So there's every chance yeah. that he's still on the list, and they've just done yeah. it for a for a nice week because they could do it cinematically anyway, the way they've done it. So it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Match tonight. Sorry, before we go, was that it? That was match tonight, presumably. Even though it actually, no. Um, I'm gonna throw in something that everybody is gonna absolutely hate me for. I was oh, gonna say. No, no, they were the, they didn't. They, they were in, they were in the Tazawa match. Um, I was gonna go for um Apollo Cruz, Shelton Benjamin, just because they were in the ring together, and I thought that's the kind of match that'd be brilliant. That was way too short. The best match of the night was Asuka Nia Jax. Um, Scotty, thanks very much for coming on and taking the Smackdown bullet, my friend. No, what? No, what is really the bullet this week? Oh, I don't know. I picked that. 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 I picked at Wrestling Daft you can get us on Insta at Wrestling Daft Podcast or just Wrestling Daft on Facebook and the boys may be reading out oh no oh no we're not re- reading yeah, your buddies are putovers this week rewind that there's no buddy of putovers this week it's a whole show dedicated to Lionheart so oh. we're doing that we're ripping up the format this week there's no list of Wrestling Daft there's no buddies and putovers we're doing a whole show dedicated to Adrian Lionheart um, because it's a year since his passing and we'll be celebrating his life in the ring this week with Rab Gradle and a few of his closest friends. So so can we put an honorary put over for the ICW wrestlers who are auctioning off um, used gear and stuff that say they had from their yeah. first matches with Adrian and they're all uh, donating that to charity uh, for, to raise awareness. Yeah, for- absolutely. And if you do get the chance, check out Kenny Williams on Twitter. They're doing a big run as well for uh, Lionheart as well. So yeah, big special show this week, a tribute to Lionheart. That will be what Rab and Grado are doing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Bad news. Bad, 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 bad news. It's the wrestling news with Gary Castle. Chris appreciated my jingle last week, Alex. I'm glad you weren't here. I appreciated the way it's edited together with the other intro that you do with the news. I think it works. Now that I've heard it in its in its long form, yeah, I'll be I'll try and be more more accepting. Thank you very much. Uh, listen, Gary has been on the scoop this week with uh, his other job as sports keeper. He broke the story worldwide that Jeff got piss thrown on him. I um that that's one where I'm like I don't know what's better. Before that, uh, anybody that that knew who I was was like, oh, it's the guy that made Triple H have to apologise for telling a distasteful joke about Paige. No, it's it's the guy that broke the story about P. So I'm not you, sure what one's worse. Uh, you're like the sun journalist of the wrestling <laughs> world now, Gary, isn't it? That's what you're like. I um. I'll hopefully manage to break away from that in the future. That's maybe <laughs> not something I don't really uh, know. Something I want to keep my name associated with. But well, you're still, you're still on the hunt for a new Twitter handle, you and Gary. You know, it's, <laughs> it really rolls off the tongue. I already. Well, I was on. Um, I was on ESPN. Cincinnati had a wee show at the weekend, uh, and I was on that, and I got introduced as the urine cider. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. Aye, so that, that was good fun. Uh, but no, that's uh, the one thing I'll say. At least it meant that one person enjoyed that full segment because it was me sitting there just relieved, more relieved than Jeff Hardy at the fact that I'm all as it did. So, uh, so it meant that somebody enjoyed it. That's always good. I bet you were shitting yourself because if it had it, I bet you. Sorry, that doesn't matter as well. But you're sitting there going, I broke this story. Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then you're like, yes, he's thrown piss over his own. I was absolutely terrified um, because I'm like, I never normally, like, even if I do hear the odd wee thing, I'm like, I'll not report on it just in case. And something like that, it's like, it's either right or wrong. There's no... There's no way of defending him if it does the harm. No there's nothing I could... Oh, well, maybe he was meant to throw piss on him, but he didn't. Um, so there's nothing I could do there. But it was the kind of thing that, because uh, the way I'd been told and because a few people that I'd reached out to said, aye, that is what's happening, I was like, right, I need to put it out there. Um, yeah. And I'm just glad I'm just glad it came to fruition. <laughs> so there you go. If you want a scoop, get on to Gary's Twitter. He's changed his Twitter handle, which is now Gary. Uh, Wrestling Gary. Um, so you can type in Wrestling Daft and follow Wrestling Daft and then just delete four wee letters and, uh, and type in G and hopefully I'll come up by. I'm, I'm proud you didn't say you can follow Wrestling Gary then delete four letters and type in Well played, my man. Uh, so let's crack into the news then. And coronavirus is now having an effect on the WWE, it seems. Yeah. What do you mean um, now, John? It's been happening. <laughs> yeah, I know what <laughs> So this one is the most worrying thing that maybe we've heard regarding coronavirus and God knows we've been talking about coronavirus on this segment every week for about the past whatever, 12, 13 weeks, whatever it is yeah. now. Um, it's best we don't count. <laughs> no, uh, we don't. <laughs> well I think a few weeks ago we did say that someone who was employed by WWE, it was that vague had um, ended up testing positive, but it was no one that was in the building, you know, when the wrestlers were in the building. This time, it's someone who was at the Performance Centre as recently as June 9th. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a kind of odd one. 
when I first, I got a wee message immediately after the news broke. So the news was broke by Ryan Satin at first and then WWE put out their own corporate statement on it. Um, so completely confirmed, that's the one thing you can say. This isn't like in any way rumour, it is news. WWE have confirmed it. Someone, uh, and they are calling it a performance centre recruit, a developmental talent, uh, has tested positive. I think that the kind of the thing to say here at first, I was like, well, that doesn't mean they've not been testing people to begin with. It turns out they've not been testing people to begin with. They've been doing temperature checks rather than full coronavirus tests. Um, so that is worrying in itself. And yeah, obviously, that was the big that, one for me. Now that's yeah. that's very shocking, actually. Yeah. Yep. It's the kind of thing that again, you know, obviously you don't like to compare, but you kind of need to compare it to what we spoke about before. We um, it was right before Double or Nothing. I said that I was on the AEW media call, and everybody was asking about coronavirus, but they were saying how you know thorough they were in terms of having a test outside the building in the car park, I believe, and then one at the building once you pass the temperature test. You got the coronavirus test or the other way around. Um, so when you compare it to that, obviously WWE are running a lot more shows. So it would be more expensive for a start, more time consuming to do these tests. But that's no excuse. They should definitely be doing them because if anything else, they've got more people in the building and the fact they're doing more shows is the, the exact reason they should be doing them all the time. So it was really, really worrying. Obviously, you know, they have been saying they've done a load of things. Apart from the tests, um, they've been doing temperature checks, they've been thoroughly cleaning, disinfecting everything, but they should still have been doing yeah. the tests. <laughs> um, the, the news that's came for that, we don't know as yet um, what's going to happen here. I would imagine it won't disrupt programming, but they were meant to be taping SmackDown today, uh, and that is not happening because they are testing everybody. Mojo Rawley in the last hour just put up a video of him doing the test, uh, and I think he's the only person that did put up the video but they're definitely testing everybody. That was immediately after the news broke. I got a message and it was saying, um, I can actually get it right here. Um, oh, you should reveal his sources. <laughs> no, I'll keep the, I'll keep the fine <laughs> details uh, private, but capital letters. See the name Meltzer flash up in Gary's notification. <laughs> uh, capital letters, COVID-19 positive test at the PC. Bear in mind that was after it broke. Um, so that was... I think the person didn't know if it broke, but they were breaking it to me as such. But the thing they said was mandatory testing tomorrow for all talents and everyone at the PC. This is just breaking now. Um, and yeah, they said that essentially it was it was happening now. That was at 4.13 a.m. Uh, obviously three minutes, or sorry, 13 minutes after Raw ended. I think it overran a wee bit last night, but 13 minutes after Raw was scheduled to end. So that's how instant it was. More worrying things came out the day regarding that. WrestleTalk and Fightful have been all over this. And there's a lot of reports that the WWE superstars didn't actually know that this test was positive until after it came out. Um, obviously, when it happened a few weeks ago with the employee, they found out five days prior to the announcement. And that was on, you know, these everybody, I think, that works in a big company's got them. The intranet apps that people have got where companies do internal announcements. That was through that. Last night was not. Um, and the extra worrying part to that, the last thing that I'll say on it, uh, the, the, um, the extra worrying part. So if anybody didn't notice, last night's Raw, in the crowd, it wasn't just performers that were there. There's they actually invited. Mm -hmm. I, and again, for what I've heard, 
it was loyal fans that live close to the performance centre. It was people that are on NXT shows that get invited along. That guy never was I don't think he was there. Um, right. I don't think he was there, but it was. they made it very notable. They showed a very, no, I don't say very old, a, a guy that was definitely not a performer um, at the start. And then, you know, you kind sure of... that wasn't Ric Flair. I heard he was in the main event. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another worrying part. Think of how many people in that age group they've brought in yeah. and no tested people. Um, like Rick is, like Rick is, Rick did he not just have surgery like six yep. months ago? Yep. Oh, Him and Jerry Lawler, you know, all these kind of people. Yeah. But the, the thing about the, the, the non-performers being in the crowd, apparently, and I don't know how true this part is, uh, I believe this was WrestleTalk, just to get myself right, but apparently... The wrestlers didn't know that non-performers were in the crowd until they got there, and um, because they said the glass screens, you know, you can't really see much through the glass screens, so they only found it when they were actually, you know, in the in the arena rather than even in the building in the arena part, and they noticed. Wait a minute, that's not an NXT superstar. <laughs> so, the, uh, I say, predict a lawsuit. I predict a lawsuit. <laughs> I said that one last note on it was apparently WWE put a ban on people coming in wearing masks. So there's another one. But they I put a ban on people wearing masks. Yeah, Aye. So, so very, very worrying. So you're stuff. not allowed to wear the one thing that people recommend you wear during the situation. Maybe it explains why you have not seen Callisto uh, over the past few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear they should just put they should uh, they should have just filled the arena with luchadors they'd be fighting um but i think there's going to be some massive legal problems with wwe coming down the hill i think it's, it's not that even just think anybody that's not on tv for, TV for the next few weeks it will be speculated and maybe rightly oh, so okay. that or oh, maybe they've got coronavirus maybe they so we don't know how many people it will affect yeah there you go well we'll wait and see on that one breaking story and we'll wait and see i bet we're reporting more on that next week uh let's move on to a, a story which is which the forgotten sons may be living up to their name now um after a certain mr Riker sent out a very distasteful tweet about donald trump people that have uh, not been on tv for the past few weeks that i don't think is due to coronavirus we should uh, probably add so i there's a few interesting notes on this one uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Forgotten Sons, obviously, living up to their gimmick well and truly here. Jackson Riker, this isn't the first thing that he's said that's, that's caused some upset. I mentioned that a few weeks ago with the, the Bobby Lashley uh, thing where I asked him about Black Lives Matters. Um, kind of deliberately, we'll say, after Jackson Riker had outed himself for not being in support of it. Um, so... A lot, of, a lot of weird stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I'll also say isn't verified as being him. There's screenshots going about his account for like a year ago, two years ago on Facebook, where I'm saying a lot of questionable things. But the one, the recent one was uh, in support of Donald Trump. And it seems like, so I mentioned that after that happened, that they had taped a show uh, after that. I don't know how deliberate it was that they weren't on that show. I don't know if they were meant to be and they were pulled. Maybe they pulled a segment because it's only been vignettes we've seen. But they apparently were scheduled for a bit of a push. And by a bit of a push, I mean they were meant to be in a tag team championship match with can the Union. Can just remove Riker? And... No, you can't well, that, really, can you? That's the, that's the thing that... Like the other two, I feel so bad for the other two right, because so they've not said anything. I think, I think they're a decent tech team cut on uh, Blake. Yeah. I really do. I feel bad for Wesley Blake as well. This is the second time he's had a tag team that's quite a successful tag team just shunted for pretty much no reason. 
Yep. Well, that's originally with Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful again. He's always on the ball with these details. Um, but he had mentioned that they were meant to be feuding with the New Day. Uh, and then they were pulled after Riker's tweet. Um, another few little things have gone around about this, apparently, and this is unconfirmed, but apparently saying that the New Day decided they didn't want to work with them, and that's why they were pulled, which wouldn't be surprising. Doesn't surprise I mean, me. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be surprising. Um, but apparently, how strongly were pushing Kofi and Biggie's um, stance in the ring last week. Yeah. Precisely. Well, that that is the segment as well, because um, that, you know, who, who was in the match with them afterwards? Two people that weren't in the tag team title picture it was Nakamura and Cesaro, and that would you'd have to think have been the segment okay. where we'd have had you know yeah. the Forgotten Sons. So it was a massive U-turn, and that's the one thing I will say that I was very surprised by that um, that gesture in the ring. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, and the fact the commentators laid out a lot of criticism about that online, I thought it was perfect. Just let yeah. you know, the world speak for themselves. Well, the, 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 I mean, there has been a lot of criticism about the, the commentators, pretty much no selling. What happened when when they did that? I'm I'm I think we should have put it over. I think we should have put it personally. I think we should have put Aye. it over. But I think it's an odd one. I think I maybe would have liked them to address it afterwards after laying out. But I think the like I, I I'm glad they didn't speak over it because I'm like no, yeah yeah yeah. Aye, I think like but off, off the back of it, I think we should have definitely acknowledged it. Aye, it's the kind of thing. It's like well, two white guys kind of talking about what the black guys are doing in the ring doesn't really make any sense. But I do think maybe a wee acknowledgement afterwards yeah. would have been good. But I mean, if way, the only one who could have could have been if they only had Saxon on the brand yeah. or Saxons on Raw. You can't. There's there's no one else in the commentary team that you could have done it. And like just bringing out Saxon for that segment would have been yeah yeah. I, 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 get, I get I get that Aye. I get that. Anyway, uh, it was good anyway. I, th- yeah. I thought it was brilliant. And the fact that um, I mentioned that Bobby Lashley chat, he said that he thinks WWE are going to show their hand a bit more with their support. And that was kind of a perfect example of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at the start of the show, we talked about Paul Heyman being removed from Raw. And apparently, USA Network aren't very happy about it. Aye, there's been a lot of reports about USA Network and Fox in the recent weeks. And, uh, you know, the. I was going to say wild card rule. Um, what is it called? The brand to brand invitational, which again has kind of <laughs> fallen by the wayside. Uh, but there's been a lot of talks that they're not happy with that because, you know, why would they be? Superstars why would they exclusive be? Eyes, so yeah. it's, it's That's what of, they said at the start. They wanted their own kind of pools to market around, essentially, didn't they? And they wanted more segregation so they each felt like they had their own product. And it makes perfect sense now that they are actually on two separate networks, whereas maybe before it didn't really make much of a difference. Um, but I apparently, <laughs> there's a wee bit of unrest here. Um, so obviously we mentioned earlier on the show that, you know, the, the Paul Heyman thing, um, the fact that it was removed, there's a lot of different uh, theories about it. But the one that I'd been told was that, you know, there was a, a long-term booking thing on Raw that made it less straightforward than SmackDown. They were deciding to, or the official statement actually said they were deciding to streamline uh, the, the two writing teams. But USA Network apparently are, are unhappy. And again, we're, I'll say this every week because uh, I'm still grateful to the guy for, uh, for oh, hosting yes. me one week. But my favourite journalist, oh, <laughs> um, my favourite journalist, Dave Meltzer, um, he reported that the recent changes upset USA Network, um, who are, and the quote was, very unhappy about him and being uh, replaced. He said the network wasn't thrilled about recent ratings, which... Of course, they wouldn't be. <laughs> um, uh, the ratings for Raw have been pretty bad, while SmackDowns have not actually been that bad. That's another wee, uh, a wee theory that's been going about as to why the change was made, and you know it would make sense. Um, but apparently, they'd been told that Raw was in a rebuilding phase, which again goes with absolutely everything that's been said in terms of long-term booking. 
uh, that Heyman was looking for, but they'd been told Raw was in a rebuilding phase, which would lead eventually to improved ratings. Um, but obviously, the way things are going now, it doesn't seem like that rebuilding phase is what it once was. It's going to be like say it's going to be interesting seeing how the two brands move forward um, and what kind of effect on the ratings it will have. I think you will see, like you say, a lot of like just that brand to brand invitation will try and try and boost the ratings on both. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can see why Fox and USA would be pissed off with that. I mean, I think they both would have been expecting a ratings jump during this period as well because there's so much little else, especially live and sports related content going on just now they're one of the few so i'm assuming they thought wow this is this is great we're gonna have the only sports product and no one's watching it the the one interesting point as well on that um when we're talking about the fact that they might mix the brands going forward while obviously myself and i guess everybody else I, i think i can speak for everybody else hopes that every talent in wwe is you know safe and doesn't get a positive test for coronavirus if that was to happen with a lot of people they would definitely have to do something with the rosters because if they continued running programming, if you've only got a certain amount of bodies, then there's only a certain amount of bodies you can use. Um, so that's that's one that I think it will be very interesting to watch. But hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come out. Hopefully it was only that one positive case. Yeah, your weekly conflict match with the same four competitors that last three hours on a Monday night. <laughs> Different orders, same winner every week. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Gary, as ever, thank you very much for the news. Welcome once more to Fantasy Booking Island and do you hear that smile in my voice? Yes, that's because I actually won Fantasy Booking Island last week in Alex's absence. I've got bad news for you though, John. What? Because that means that you're on the wrestling daft, wrestling raft for some alliteration and some rhyming there. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Right, okay, so I'm on the wrestling daft. Way to tear a man down (laughs) off his So I have the book this week, and Alex and Gary are on the island. Now, your task this, boys, I set this to you, uh, is I want you to choose a promotion, choose two wrestlers, and choose a cinematic match. So, first of all, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to get uh, your promotion wrestlers and cinematic match initially. So what's your wrestlers and promotion, Gary? I was initially going to go for uh, Kane versus Undertaker because I just watched Kane on the Broken Skull Sessions. My second choice, I very almost went for a gimmick Royal Rumble where everybody came out in their different gimmicks through the years. But I decided against that. I'm taking on Alex, so I'm deciding to go for the throw. I'm going for Alex's promotion and I am booking AEW. And the two competitors, I won't tell you the match yet, but the two competitors are going to be John Moxley and Jimmy Havoc. Interesting, uh, Alex. What have you? And you've come up. You tweeted me a message me saying, "Can I do this?" What? What are you? Going I, I went a bit rogue, and and the way I find this works is you just go with your first idea and you just let it run. Right. Okay. So essentially, I've had a, an idea for um, the wrestling equivalent of the Office. So imagine the Office, but hold set it right there. Hold it right there. We'll just we'll come to that in a minute. Right. <laughs> Gary, okay, flip that badge. Uh, this is how we decide who goes first and second. We flip a Gary Cassidy badge and we go heads or tails. Who wants to call it, Alex? You call it. I will obviously go for tails because we can't call Gary's own face against him. It's just not <laughs> yeah. fair. Yeah, okay. Tails. 
All right, okay. Stays as. Do you want to go first or second, Alex? Oh, I'll go first. I'll go first. Let's see how this goes. Right, okay. Milton's Three minutes. Like... It's got to be our top. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll pitch you. I'll pitch you my characters, some subplots, and an outline of how I do the first season. Right, right, okay. Well, if you can do that in three minutes, brilliant. Okay, your three minutes start now. Okay, so the main this is going to be called Gorilla Position, and your main character is going to be Bruce Pritchard, and he's going to be a combination of Mark Corrigan and David Brent. <laughs> your sub-main character is going to be Vince McMahon, and the subplot is going to be his slow descent into madness. So Vince is going to have his wee cronies, he's going to have Patterson and Briscoe running around like his wee snitches, he's going to have Kevin Dunn, his wee bumbling befool, and he's going to have Michael Cole, his little darling that always goes above Bruce Pritchard's head. And then he's going to have his rivals which is going to be Bischoff and Heyman. He's then going to have Paul and his hipster brand. And then he's going to have just Stephanie, just literally shitting on everything all the time, all the time. So um, the subplots, so in each, each, each well, most episodes, uh, what the start of the show will be Bruce in the writer's room and he'll get pitched a really stupid idea. And basically in some of the shows, the whole show at the end of the show, his show will get ripped up and that idea will be used instead by Vince. He'll <laughs> um, get like, the wrestlers coming up and politicking with him. He'll have like the NXT talent as his office interns. He can have the legends turning up. He just gets this odd phone call from a guy going, hey brother, it's Terry, I need to get some work. And he's just hanging up the phone. He's got Bill Goldberg burying all his talent. He's got to go out and pick up drunk Ric Flair from a restaurant before he embarrasses the company. You know, there's all kinds of great plots you can do with this, but there is a wealth of great storylines we can use from last year. So the season would begin with um, essentially Eric Bischoff being fired and Bruce surprisingly, that he didn't know about this before, being made the head writer of SmackDown. And that will be our kind of first storyline and how it's sprung on Bruce. And that'll set a precedent for the, for the, for the series. He'll also have two network execs, for both working for Fox. One will want more sport and the other one wants more fun. And he's constantly just stuck in between these two network execs. I personally want Will Arnett as one of the network execs, but I've not really casted this properly yet. And then we'll get to like the mid-season and we can have the Saudi plane fallout and Bruce Pritchard trying to negotiate the release of wrestlers from the Saudi Arabian prince. It'll be great. And then built towards the season finale, we can have essentially all the coronavirus stuff. So it can start with the XFL meltdown and Vince has been going slowly more insane throughout the whole series, but this just breaks Vince completely and utterly. And so that then leads to Black Wednesday. And then finally, without Bruce knowing, Paul Heyman is fired and Bruce is appointed the head writer also of Raw. Is that the season finale? That's the season finale. <laughs> so that is season one of Gorilla Position. I, Alex, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. However, and it was in two and a half minutes. That is That was quite incredible. We'll come back to that at the end, but I do love that. Right, Gary? Is this good? You're up next. Three minutes start now. So I am going to tell you how I'm building to this match first and then the match I'm going to kind of try and let it speak for itself. For me, I've got uh, John Moxley being attacked by Jimmy Havoc on an upcoming episode of Dynamite. No reason for it. And then we find that the reason is that Jimmy Havoc's like, we have not been given a chance to be the real hardcore me that we've seen over the past few years. You're giving John Moxley matches with Kenny Omega that he gets to be that badass guy. Um, so we end up getting a, a hardcore match you know, a kind of CZW style match. But AEW are like, well, we've got a ranking system for a reason, so it can't be a title match. There's no way it can be a title match. However, Jimmy Havoc wins that match. He writes off John Moxley. Moxley's left there, bloodied, 
you know, just in a complete mess. The next few weeks, Havoc's out there tormenting Moxley, saying, well, I should be the champion. The champion's not been on TV. I can't defend this title. And then on the screen, we get Moxley's face looking very, you know, solemn, very upset. Starts cutting a promo. It zooms out, and Moxley is sitting in a straitjacket in an empty room. Moxley says, if you want a championship match, you've got it. But you've driven me to the edge of insanity. You've shown me who the lunatic really is. So you need to make your way into my asylum. We all remember the Ambrose Asylum. We're essentially going to rewrite the Ambrose Asylum as, a, as an asylum match in AEW. We have a full cinematic one. The asylum's empty. It's only Ambrose there for everyone's safety, of course. Lots of build. The match happens um, and as a championship match. We have both men, a klaxon goes off, both men are in a bed in a straitjacket, klaxon goes off and Moxley breaks out of it, Havoc breaks out of it, we have them running down corridors and we've got loads of stuff popping up for both of their heydays, you know, Mox, uh, Havoc will have a load of CZW references, barbed wire, stuff like that. Moxley, we've got Jericho sitting with a potted plant called Mitch, we've got Brody Lee saying this is such good shit and then in the end of course we've got John Moxley and Havoc just having a really cinematic hardcore match. And of course, Ambrose or Moxley comes away with a win, having unwritten the previous Ambrose Asylum match that he had and replacing it with a cinematic one. Oh, I like that. I really like that. I especially like the way you've used the Brody Lee gimmick as well. <laughs> yeah, I like those I was of, going to leave out. Like, also... Would those like images be like kind of flashes in, in the sort of but right, okay, no. I was hoping to have um, kind of flashbacks. I was essentially going to try and I was going to go for a, a gimmick finish and have it where Ambrose wakes up and he's just in a normal hospital and the full thing happened in his head. <laughs> I thought that might have been gone a step too far. So I decided to just keep it as the match actually happening. But I wanted to do like kind of throwbacks and stuff like that and maybe him remembering triggering things for his time in WWE throughout the match that drive him to knock lumps at a havoc, essentially. Okay, right, here's the decision note, Derek. I love both of these today, right? I actually love these. I want to see both of these, right? However, however, the task was to book a cinematic match, and I've had a pitch for a sitcom for the WWE <laughs> Network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to accept that. I didn't book what was, I was meant to be booked. Honestly, Alex, take that to the WWE. That is one of the... That sounds like it could be one of the funniest sitcoms ever. That sounds brilliant. So... I love that idea, and listen, if I, if I was judging it on sitcoms, you would be the winner, my friend, because that is an incredible idea, and I hope WWE make that. But I'm going to have to give the keys to the boat to Gary um, for the booking then. You mean the raft, John? The raft. <laughs> nah, you don't need keys for the raft, raft. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to give Gary the book for next week because I think, and Alex, you'll agree, you want to see Jimmy Havoc versus Moxley in an <laughs> asylum match. I, I like that idea. I like the idea that they could like pad everything really softly and just throw each other around. <laughs> need a ring, they bounce off the walls. Yeah, be great. Yeah, yeah. So, so well done, Gary. Well done. I'll take that. I'm the. I'm going to call myself the Brock Lesnar of wrestling daft now for ending the streak. Um, <laughs> I, I promise. Uh, next week, I won't get used to a fantasy book a sitcom. <laughs> I promise. This is the last time I try and pitch a TV program on this podcast. It just came to me in the night and I had to talk. <laughs> so, as usual on Wrestling Daft, we're bringing you the big guests. Uh, and Gary's brought another belter for us. And he's not just got two or three questions this week. He's got a full interview with this guy. Who have you got, Gary? I've got about two or three questions with him that get him to call out certain people in amongst the interview, which is, uh, which is quite good. Um, so, I 
like we said earlier, you know, backlash has obviously just happened this weekend. I was over the moon with the person that I got offered for a wee backlash preview, but we only done a couple of things about that because obviously I knew. I wanted to talk to this guy about a lot more than just backlash. Noam Dar, um, the Scottish supernova. A few brilliant wee bits that I got to ask him about. Obviously, he's ICW uh, World Heavyweight Champion right now. I said, who would he defend the title against? If he got to defend it on a WWE show, what match would they want to defend that ICW title in? Also got to ask him about the potential of a dream match with Goldberg. And my favourite thing that I got to ask him about, Vince McMahon reportedly loved the way Noam Dar said Alicia Fox. I had to ask him, did Vince McMahon actually like it? How did they find that out? And uh, he said he, was, he um, thought Vince McMahon was scared of him. So, <laughs> well, listen, just for that alone. Well, here it is. And it's full goodness. It's Gary meeting Noam. So, how's it going? The first thing we need to address, um, that magnificent beard. For a lot of people that haven't seen you on social media, they might not actually recognize you because the beard has just come out of nowhere. The first thing I need to ask that everybody will be dying to know, is that staying once you're back in the ring or is it coming <laughs> off when you get back to compete? Oh, unfortunately not. This beard is a means to an end and it's part of a lifestyle that I've been living since <laughs> lockdown began. I have uh, playfully called this period of my life uh, prison mentality experience. When lockdown started, I knew that I had to, to double down in order to stay focused and not get distracted with all the external stuff that's going on and, and stay focused on the goals in hand. So this has really helped. Can I contribute to the tunnel vision? So, I mean, I get one phone call a day. I get the food here is terrible. I get to go outside. I get some yard time. But right now, that's what's working for me. And the disregard for the, the appearance that you see is part of it and I really believe that that's synonymous with the the opportunity that I have right now is is to rather than try and get through this lockdown you know as quick as possible I've I've decided to get stuck in it and and really experience the solitude and hence this part of it is what you're seeing sticking out my face right now. I like how you're taking that as a kind of method actor approach. Um, I've got a few more lockdown-related questions, sadly, before we go into the fun stuff. Um, the second one I need to ask, and I did mention there for people that don't follow you online, they might know, you know, recognise you, but the reason yep. they should be following you online is I seen a little video you posted earlier, I think it was actually last night, um, where you demanded competition. You said NXT UK has to give you competition. You're aware that you can't wrestle at a social distance, um, but you challenged, I believe, Walter to an eating contest. Uh, yep. the, the Irish ace, Jordan Devlin, uh, poker, amongst other card games, and Tyler Bate to snakes and ladders. I want to take you out of that box and say, not restricting yourself to NXT UK, if you can challenge anyone in the world to a non-wrestling match, what kind of match are you choosing and who are you challenging? It would be... FIFA has to be a game of FIFA. And if I have to challenge anyone in the world right now, are we talking non-wrestling here? Are we talking wrestling specifically? Whatever you want, whatever you want. Uh, I'm going to challenge the great Cali to a game of FIFA <laughs> because I'm actually a, a FIFA a FIFA champion. I had an up-up-down-down down FIFA tournament a few years ago. And I, and I beat Apollo Cruz, Becky Lynch, Fandango, Sheamus, easily. 
So I feel like that is my area of expertise. And if we're keeping the, the social distancing um, element to it, then it definitely has to be a game of FIFA versus the great Cali. <laughs> definitely not the answer I expected in terms of the name, <laughs> but I would watch that. So uh, man, I'm sold. Um, yeah, so going back to, you know, the fact that we can't wrestle right now, you, you know, there's nothing going on in NXT UK apart from the fact that you, we're getting to see the history of the brand and everything, which is great, but there's no fresh um, matches happening. I asked this question to Dave Mastiff, um, and he kind of gave me a, an answer about the way British wrestling has been a couple of years ago where no one was watching it. Um, yep. So I need to ask yourself, when do you think you'll see yourself back in the ring and what would you think about the idea of wrestling in front of no crowd if that was to happen? It's hard to say a time of when we'll actually be competing back in the ring. Hopefully, with I mean, hoping within the next six weeks maybe, that would be an ideal situation. I'm ready to go tomorrow. Like I said, this all, all this period of lockdown for me has been just staying focused and being introspective and, you know, staying sharp, staying fit, staying healthy. So I'm ready to go. Wrestling in front of a, not wrestling in front of a crowd definitely changes it. Obviously, the crowd adds so much to it and um, they are completely essential. The crowd are an essential service to a wrestling show. However, it means that you just have to be more on the ball. You're not not going to be able to get as much of an adrenaline dump you're not going to be able to, you know, audiences have emotional influences on people in the ring. Sometimes that can take you off your game. Sometimes it can and it help you. Um, a lot of people use the crowd to their benefit. Now, I like the idea of doing a couple of shows with no audience and just really see who really wants it. Definitely, man. And the one thing, you know, we did mention, I said that, you know, you seem to be taking the method acting approach to lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that came up was uh, I recently found out about the skull sessions and the acting seminars that um, there's been facilitated apparently for, I think, both uh, NXT UK and NXT staff, because if you can't work on, you know, in-ring stuff, then you might as well work on everything else. Yep. Is that something that you've been doing? And if so, how has it helped you? Yeah, we've had a lot of good um, exercises and programs that we've been doing. WWE have also put us for a professional development series, which was a, a weekly Zoom meeting just to do a lot of kind of outside stuff, you know, non, not specifically to wrestling, which is so beneficial. WWE have, certainly in the, the time that I've been with WWE coming up to five years, that's they've always been so well we're so committed to developing the talent personally as well as professionally at any given opportunity. And now that that's been offered during lockdown, it's certainly helped give a lot of structure to days. And there's been a lot of things that we've been able to take from it that I know that people are going to implement going forward. Yeah, definitely. And that's actually, you know, when I was doing my research, I was like, I wonder how long Noam Dar's been in WWE. And I noticed it was almost five years and I'm going, Man, that time has flown by. That's (laughs) absolutely insane. Uh, But the one thing um, that I need to ask, you know, I I know that you're active on social media, but I don't know if this is something that you might have seen going round. Someone posted a photo before uh, of a custom WWE Championship with a Star of David in it, saying the dream for them would be to see Noam Dar versus Goldberg at a WWE event in Israel. Did you see that? And what would your reaction to that be? 
I haven't seen that. I have. Um, there's been a bunch of comments and tweets and such joking about the idea of me versus Goldberg in Israel. Um, I'm completely down for that. I believe that I would have the home field advantage there. Uh, coming, actually being, being born in Israel. And uh, I, I think Bill Goldberg would have a, a run for his money. Because I know he's not. I know he's not living a prison lifestyle like I'm living right now. So if we do the second after lockdown, I know he's not ready. I think the one thing this has to lead to right now before that is a beard growing competition between yourself and Goldberg, <laughs> or a FIFA competition. <laughs> then the match can be the the rubber match if he gets one there of the wins go. there. Um, there we go. So the other thing, you know, I mentioned social media. So many comments go about and. Particularly, you know, wrestling journalism, people always chuck out things there about how certain people react backstage to things. One of the biggest stories that's came out about Noam Dar was you saying Alicia Fox and how much Vince McMahon loved you saying Alicia Fox. <laughs> Can you confirm, is that true? Uh, do you know if Vince McMahon was a fan of, of the way you spoke? Uh, as far as I'm aware, that, that was very true. I had a lot of friends that would be in the production meetings and stuff, and he would do, apparently he'd done an impression of it. <laughs> um, so I haven't heard his impression of me yet. I think chances are he might be scared to do the impression of me in front of me, unless in case I beat him up. Because uh, <laughs> everyone knows I'm a bit of a ticket backstage. <laughs> I wish. But um, no, I know that there was a lot, there was a lot of fun that whole storyline with Alicia and working with Alicia was a massive learning experience. I hadn't done anything like that over my, you know, at that point, 10 years career. And uh, to be able to use a whole different set of tools and do something completely different that I wasn't used to before was, was a real good experience. Absolutely. I love that. But the one thing I'll say, there's one very, the selfish reason I like the fact that you're in NXT UK right now rather than still being over at Raw and that is because as you might be able to hear I'm Glaswegian and yep. I've seen you lift the ICW World Heavyweight Championship a couple of months ago so I yep. need to ask you if WWE and ICW signed off on it that Noam Dar can defend the ICW World Championship to main event a WWE event in Glasgow you can defend against anyone you want, ICW, WWE, anyone you want. Who are you picking to defend that against? And it can't be the great Cali. <laughs> well, that interview is over. Next question. <laughs> Next question. That's, a, that's a, a difficult question. I love the idea of defending the ICW title on a, a WWE event, certainly the main event, but I also love the idea even more of if I'm doing that and putting my title on the line, then I then I deserved a chance to also win something. So in that case, I would like to do myself versus Walter NXT UK Championship versus ICW Championship. Winner takes all. I'm a gambling man. The odds might not be in my favour, but I like a gamble. I like a punt on the horses. I certainly like a punt on myself. So that's the match that I'm making in that fantasy situation. Yeah, again, you can chuck in your uh, chicken leg eating competition beforehand as well, and just hope yeah, it's uh, too full to move about. You'll be you'll be sorted. Soften that, them up, soften them up. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect main event for a takeover in Glasgow as well. If that ever happens in the future, uh, I'll just uh, chuck that in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, the one thing you, we mentioned a wee bit of fantasy book in there. You've already called it the Great Cali and mentioned we've mentioned Goldberg, we've mentioned Vince McMahon and Walter. 
this is a question asked Seamus, and I feel like you're the perfect question to ask it back to because his answer was very much related to uh, to Scottish football. Mm. So we can do a match. We spoke about Glasgow events. We can do a match with Noam Dar and a footballer of your choice, past or present, against any other WWE superstar and any other footballer. Who are you wanting to get in the ring with for that star study tag team match? So, if we're having a match, I say, I'm going to have to choose... Um, I think I might choose Vinny Jones, right? I know that sounds random. <laughs> so random. But it might be to do with the fact that I watched Mean Machine a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Like I said, living the prison lifestyle, I'm only allowed to ingest entertainment that is in a prison format. So I've watched The Mean Machine, The Longest Yard, and Prison Break on repeat. That's it. So the Vinny Jones is a hard man, and I reckon he would show up when you need him. And it also keeps it keeps a lot of the negative secretarianism out of it, unfortunately. Like, a lot of these fun fantasy questions I've had in the past have led to, like, waking up to abuse on Twitter from people. <laughs> so, I mean, as much as it is a good laugh, I'm going to say Vinnie Jones. And um, I would definitely have to be against Seamus. And who did he pick? He picked Virgil van Dyke. Yeah, okay, I thought he would. <laughs> so, I mean, that is, that is a good choice. But 100% Vinnie Jones could batter and Virgil van Dyke. Vinny Jones has appeared at a WWE event as well. I don't think Virgil van Dyke has, so he's definitely like a no. wee bit uh, home field advantage we mentioned earlier. Um, there so we go. I've two, two last, uh, <laughs> I've got two last questions I need to ask you. We have spoke a bit about Noam Dar. Sadly, I'm going to take us away from Noam Dar for these last two questions. We're obviously talking uh, before WWE Backlash takes place. There are two matches happening on that card that I want to talk about. The first one is the greatest wrestling match ever. What are your thoughts on that tagline? And can Edge and Randy Orton deliver what the tagline is promising? I think it's an exciting tagline. And specifically, Edge and Randy Orton are two guys who have, have developed through WWE and came up through WWE kind of relatively at the same time. And obviously they had the, the they've crossed paths many times. However, now we are seeing Randy Orton versus Edge when they're both at complete legendary status. And that's very unique to see two legends of our time at the, the peak of their careers go against each other. And Edge has obviously had a, a memorable beginning to 2020 and a whole new lease of life professionally. So it's exciting to see that. And, and I think they're two of the best to have ever done it. Specifically, Randy Orton is one of my all-time favourites and, and a massive influence for me. So to see, to be given that tagline is a difficult thing as a performer, especially, obviously, under the, the, the lockdown circumstance. But I think that adds to it even more. And, and those two guys have always delivered when it, when it came down to it. And um, they're going to deliver again. Excellent. And the one final question I've got for you, which is still backlash related, you know, that match has been called the greatest wrestling match ever. This got brought up to Drew McIntyre, a guy you know very well, and he said, mm -hmm. well, if that's going to be the greatest wrestling match ever, 
then me versus Bobby Lashley is going to be the greatest fight ever. Um, so mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if my maths are right, but I think you also know Bobby Lashley a little bit for time and impact. I'm not sure if you crossed over there. But if yeah. so, um, or from what you know of him and what you know of Drew for your time in ICW, WWE, what do you think that match is going to deliver and who do you think walks away with the title? Well, I think, to Drew's point, saying that it's going to be the greatest fight of all time, he's not saying that uh, lightly. Drew is extremely physical, we know that. I certainly know that, I've been in the ring with him. And he also, he's one of these guys that is very physical, but in such a good way that it brings the physicality out of you and makes you step up in that regard. And Bobby Lashley, of course, is an is a unit, and he also has mixed martial arts training and a history there. So, like, given the pressure that that other match has, I feel like they're also putting that same pressure on themselves to uphold their part of the card. And if those two start knocking lumps out of each other, I certainly know that Drew's not going to step down, and he's going to be there for it. And likewise, Bobby Lashley is going to be the same. So you could well see one of the most physical matches in WWE history. Excellent. And I'm going to sneak in one last uh, question. I like to be controversial. I'll sneak in this wee final one. You don't need to answer it if you don't want, because it might uh, cause some upset. You're living the prison lifestyle. What are you having for dinner tonight? Tonight, same as every night. Baked beans on toast. That's it. That's as exciting. (laughs) Sometimes... Sometimes if I've been on good behaviour, I get a wee bit of ketchup on the top. <laughs> Excellent, so. man. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> chatting to you. <laughs> likewise, Cheers, mate, likewise. You. By the way, guys, we are going to get some heat for that interview just going out, by the way. Rab and Grado are going to be absolutely raging. But for you getting Noam? Well, basically, Noam's one of Grado's best pals and <laughs> Grado can't even get Noam on the show. <laughs> And we're t- turning up with a blinking interview with him. Because <laughs> Gary's gone through the official press methods. Do you think, can you imagine Grado trying to go through the official WWE press methods? Oh, I know, I know. So, yeah, we're going to get some serious heat for that. But, uh, yeah, Rab and Grado will, of course, have more big guests on the flagship show very soon. So that's it for this week's show. Please rate, review and subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, we go twice a week now with Wrestling Da. On Friday, you can catch Rab and Grado with all that sort of stuff on the headline show. And it's us on a Tuesday talking all the wrestling. Um, Remember, get on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft, where you can catch those bonus episodes right now, the AEW report cards from us, and also... Chapter one of the Grado story, it's yourself charting his rise from the beginning to his debut in ICW. Uh, you can also get t-shirts and merchandise. Get that all at shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft. Uh, before we go, like I said earlier in the show, uh, this week on Wrestling Daft with Rab and Grado, it's a slightly kind of different show. Um, we're ripping up the whole rule book and we're going to have a whole show dedicated to, to Lionheart, who tragically passed away this time last year and um, so for that we're inviting a lot of his friends uh you know likes of wolfgang mark dallas these are all names getting touted at the moment so we'll find out who we end up with on friday but we're basically the whole aim of the show is we have a right good discussion and a right good laugh oh, about all this John, you can have hundreds of people in yeah there's so i mean they touch the lives of so many people in the industry certainly in scotland and across the world you know you, you forget you know you, 
the, the people he wrestled in his career. So it's going to be a really good laugh and um, hopefully do Adrian proud and, and celebrate him in, in the way he would see fit. Um, guys, just before, before we go, if you, what's your kind of lasting memories of Ryan Lionheart and seeing him in the ring? I think, you know, I always go back to the, that AJ Styles match. I think it doesn't get the credit it deserves because of what happened uh, in the match. But also, I think, you know, the say my name, I'm history thing is going to live in everybody's memory. The main thing, though, I don't, I think, you know, this, the sad thing about this is we always look back on these things when somebody's passed away rather than when they're alive. And I think, I believe it was Square Go. It might have been Square Go or Fear and Loathing, I think. It, it was, was Fear and Loathing when he went over Polo. It's Square Go. He fought, um, what's his name? He's in AW, part of the Hybrid 2. Not Jack. Oh, um, um, Angelico? Yeah. Yeah. I, but well, I wasn't even going to mention that. I forgot of those because yeah, there's so many well, classic well, matches. Well, the thing well, that I was, um, the thing I was going to say was it was one after he'd passed away, and it was Lionheart, um, obviously being a big part of Rogue to Wrestler, which was something that you know wrestling is is still kind of seen as, you know, less than most other bits of media, most bits of mainstream sport, and everything else. Mark Dallas and Jack Jester walking down the ramp, um, just having come for, I believe it was the Scottish Baftas. Uh, and they came, went in the ring, told a very emotional speech, and then um, jumped off, uh, jumped off the ring, uh, and just kind of get carried through by the crowd. After that, just seeing how emotional Jack Jester was talking about Lionheart, I think that legacy. If you know, if anything ever happens with Scottish wrestling going forward and being a more mainstream thing, I think Rogue to Wrestler is going to be like a thing that him as a trainer and a lot of other people have obviously made a massive, massive step towards. Yeah, uh, Alex, what, what's your favourite uh, Lionheart memory? Memory-wise, uh, <laughs> quite enjoyed the last time I see him in the ring, to be honest. Like, I remember there was a big, when he initially retired from ICW, his comeback from that was huge. And I remember everyone was so happy to see him back. I think you've got to really talk about the, as, as Gary was saying, his um, input into Scottish wrestling. I mean, obviously being part of the GPWA and these guys trying to bring through the next... Um, the next generations and did he run did he run um, was it SWA down in Paisley as well and was just so involved in such a vat wealth of promotions and such an inspiration to such a wealth of talent as well yeah yeah well and it's going to be a, a really interesting show and really looking forward to it so yeah make sure you listen to Rab and Gregor and download that this Friday gents as ever thank you very much where can we get you on Twitter Gary Wrestling Gary um, yep just type in Wrestling Daft and then hit the follow button, then delete four of your letters and type in Gary and you'll get me. And Alex, we can get you on Twitter as well, can't you? What are you under? You can on Thirsty Baboon and I probably will never post anything apart from an occasional picture of my cat. So so if you want cat pictures, follow Alex. If you want wrestling scoops, follow Gary. There you go. Um, <laughs> we'll catch you next time on The Marks next Tuesday. Be here and be a mark with us. That's a good for catchphrase. Let's use that. I was about to say Gary's got a catchphrase now and you can't even remember yours, John. <laughs> You've got your Twitter catchphrase now. <laughs> Delete four letters and just put them there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to use that again. Remember that one. Right. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Audio Frontier. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.